Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome back, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. We had a a bit of a rainstorm here, and uh, we just kind of lucked out on it because it was 34, 35 degrees, you know, a couple of of, uh, degrees colder, and we would have had a big old blizzard. Yeah, yeah, we had things. Things just got a little wetter. It's been a pretty wet year. And later on this evening at 9 o'clock my time, Yaya Erin Rivera Merriman, Merry Woman, 
who is a plant spirit medicine practitioner, ritualist, goddess, scholar, mother, and artist, is going to be with us talking about all the things that she's done and she is doing and is gonna do. And I am really looking forward to talking with her. She's a past apprentice, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to hear from her as well. I just uh, was up in Washington and I spent a week with a woman that um, Aaron has had on her podcast and we had her on our podcast as well, uh, Shona Home. And so it was just funny that she, that Aaron's like a, a close friend of hers as well. And, um, and so she, uh, but in that she's our guest this week right after I get back. So it, it wasn't planned oh. that way, but it's just one of those synchronistic things. <laughs> How absolutely lovely. And I very much look forward to our conversation later on this evening. And uh, I am all packed and ready to take off to Tucson as uh, those of you who are my friends know, my oldest friend, she gets annoyed when I call her my oldest friend, but we've known each other for the longest amount of time in our lives. Betsy lives in Tucson, Arizona, and every December, we usually spend Hanukkah together. And Hanukkah was really early this year, so we opted for Christmas. So I am off to spend Christmas with Betsy, and Betsy's story off my chest is in my book, Breast Cancer, Breast Health, The Wise Woman Way, and I thank her over and over and over again for that story and for living to tell the tale of yeah. what yeah what on with her yeah it's a really really moving stunning story and um mm-hmm. it's just so you know so nice to take we work um picture puzzles and we work double cross sticks and we shop and we cook and we eat and we go for long walks and we talk and it's just a most delicious and delightful time. Oh, and <laughs> I've actually left out, you know, most of what we're going to be doing because, of course, um, she's my editor. She's the editor for all oh, of my right. books. Right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm making it sound like, oh, we're going to like lol by the pool. Yeah, well, right. But mostly what we're going to be doing is really getting down like onto the last You know, talk about cross your T's and dot your I's. That's the place that we are down to. The front matter is completely done. Chapter zero is completely done done and illustrated. So is um, um, step number one, step number two, step number three, step number four, step number five. I am closing in on the gap. Closing in on it. You know, it's right at the heart of the book. It's like it's the solar plexus of that book. Sometimes I start my books in the middle and then kind of write out to both the beginning and the end. Um, but this one, wow, the middle has really like um, waited until the last, waited until the very last bit, and I certainly spent more time with the words for what goes on in the gap, what goes on in the great divide between the first four medicines and the last three medicines. And why mm-hmm. I put it there, why I put a divide there, you know, why not just, there's seven medicines, why not just go from zero to one to two to three to four to five to six? Why do I insist that there has to be something in between 
step four and step step three and step four, right? Between lifestyle, <laughs> right, between lifestyle medicine and alternative medicine, there is a gap. And there should be mm-hmm. there should be a place for us to stop and say, Where am I going? What am I doing? Am I just following the social norms? Am I being agreeable? Mm. Am I really yeah. getting what I want for my health? And I'm sure that you have seen this, and I have seen this for decades, that people go looking for help and wind up absolutely surprised at what happens to them. Yes. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Mm-hmm. Because, because they keep saying, they keep just going along with what they're told. Instead of saying, what do, I, what do I want? What is healthy for me? Where am yeah, I going to get the greatest satisfaction in my life? Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, of like, you know, kind of alternative therapies and stepping out of that cultural norm and being able to, you know, like get out of like the kind of even – more taboo stuff or or maybe even get into it, you know, and like, and yeah, and seeing what you really, really need, you know, and um, yeah, taking like a really deep look at that because, yeah, you have to have an opportunity to go within yourself to really explore that and there's not a whole lot of space for that in our everyday lives, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting work and, you know, working on step six, deep medicine, you know, getting together the checklist for those who are electing to go into surgery, getting together, you know, what you can do if you're going to expose yourself to radiation. What do you, what should you do if you're going to be doing chemotherapy? So, mm-hmm. um, and also, you know, really writing about um, one of my themes throughout my life which is this is intercare. It's not us versus them. Right. That was mm-hmm. always my with being told I was alternative. And I said, I'm not I'm not an alternative to anything. Right. And that's why I started calling my, myself complementary. Now that got picked up and used complementary medicine, but integrated I think is even more because we now have at least 25 years of good, strong, scientific looking at these things that most doctors used to think were just absurd. That if you said to them, well, instead of drugs for high blood pressure, let's teach this person to meditate. Even, you know, 20 years ago, um, although it certainly wasn't unknown, it was still thought as very fringy or edgy or kind of crackpot. And now we have really good science and younger doctors who've been exposed to these ideas all their lives. So I think we mm-hmm. really are ready for the complementary integrated medical revolution. Oh, let's hope it so. Has to, <laughs> it has to be consumer-driven. It has to be those of us who are getting yeah. our health taken care of, who yeah. for what we want. It's our choice. True so, empowerment. Yeah. 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 
have any people calling with questions tonight? We do, and I just wanted uh, I just want to mention my my Etsy shops. But before we take this long break, because um, we're going to be yeah. taking a couple. And um, I have some new stuff in there. And if you put an order in um, today, tomorrow, or Thursday morning, um, it should be there before the holiday. And there's some, you know, like some first aid kits and some bath salts and like some different herbal oils and infused oils and stuff that would make really good gifts. Or if you just need to soothe your own spirit because the holidays can be pretty intense with all the family and stuff, I have all kinds of stuff. So um, my site is www.etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness. So etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness and go check it out. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you too. I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> it's time. a mouthful. <laughs> but it is. Um, yeah, right. so there are a lot of people on the line. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press one to put your call in the queue. Right, and And let us say again, this is going to be our last show of the year. We will see you all next year. Are we going to do, when is the Tuesday? We'll do January 8th is our next show because that, yeah, so we'll have Christmas is a Tuesday and then the first is a Tuesday. And so we'll do that next next week, um, January 8th, and we'll have... And we're going to have a wonderful woman as a guest. Ani Williams is going to be on, and she's a sound healer, and she's been all over the world studying and practicing sound healing, and she's uh, she's incredible. I've listened to some of her talks. She so. She's wonderful. How exciting that we get to talk to her. Yes. All right. Good. So you all know. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Our next uh, first caller is uh, coming from the 718 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask you something. I went to the doctor like a week ago and I usually, my blood pressure usually is always very low. And mm-hmm. this was the first time that it was like high, like 140 over, I don't know, 70. And I guess I'm just concerned cause I'm not used to myself being, um, on the, on the high range. I am going through a lot of stress right now. I'm I'm in college and just a lot of, you know, schoolwork and stuff like that. So I remember a long time ago listening to a show that there was an herb that was helpful for, you know, you know, blood pressure, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts. There absolutely are quite a few herbs that are wonderful helpers to relax the blood vessels and to help you deal with stress. Okay. One of the first ones that I always think of is motherwort. Motherwort tincture made from the fresh flowering plant, but not motherwort tincture made from the dry plant. So okay. Rebecca was just mentioning her SE site, and I know mm-hmm. she makes it from the fresh plant. Okay. Um, that tincture I find to be really superior for relieving stress and anxiety and Thousands and thousands of people have used it to dependably lower their blood pressure. Okay, great. I'm going to look into that. So when I'm in a stressful situation, um, I might walk around with a bottle of motherwort tincture in my pocket. And whenever I feel, oh, 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 hmm, you know, I'll take just a few drops of motherwort. Mm-hmm. So I can even, like, take that during, like, an exam 
if I absolutely if I, yeah okay absolutely yes well, that's pretty yeah, and you don't have to like you know tilt your head back and drop the drops in your mouth and make a big show of it. <laughs> And put the drops in the palm of your hand, and then just bring the palm of your hand up to your lips and suck it in, right? Oh, okay. So it's almost as though you're covering your mouth in a yawn, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to know what you're doing, is what I'm saying. Okay. There are ways to take tinctures in public without making other people wonder what on earth is going on. Hey, sounds sounds good. That would really be helpful for this week. It is. It is. Now, passion flower is another herb that's wonderful for people who are feeling stressed and whose blood pressure is going up because of it. And I think of passion flower as as Paul Bergner would call it, as an herb for the emotional heart. So if if the stress that we're feeling is um, kind of like stress with the world and the institutions and life as it is, then motherwort with her fierce protection is a great ally. But if the stress is uh, it's just too much for my heart and my relationships and this is so, mm-hmm. uh, then passion flower. And again, I prefer the tincture of the fresh plant in flower. Okay. Both of these plants, incidentally, are terrifically easy to grow and make your own tinctures. And if, like, if it's both, is it okay if I take both? It certainly is. Many herbalists like to make mixtures of herbs, and they will preferentially choose several herbs that have similar effects and mix them together. I kind of think of it as, you know, having an orgy every night instead of, you know, settling down with somebody and learning about them. So my preference is always to use simples, is to start with just one herb and see how it affects you. Okay. Because if you start with two of them and you like what happens, then you're kind of stuck there. Right. Not sure which one is doing And of course, as always, Hawthorne. We cannot have a discussion about the heart without mentioning Hawthorne. Hawthorne for the heart. Hawthorne keeps the heart pumping well. Hawthorne keeps the spiritual heart in good order. And Hawthorne is a long term friend. All parts of the Hawthorne are used the leaves, the flowers, the berries. In just as many ways as you can possibly think of, leaves and flowers as tea, leaves and flowers as infusion, berries as tea, berries as infusion, berries as vinegar, berries as jam, um, oxymel, mm, yum, Hawthorne, get it into your life. So, um, Hawthorne, can I take that, like, often, like daily or something, or only as... Yes, all of these can be okay. taken every single day. Okay. These are tonic herbs. They're not sedatives. They're not going to, like, knock you out. They're not drugs. Okay. And what I like to do is to see what's the lowest dose that really has a good effect. Okay. 
and to see how that changes. I was talking to a, a doctor, and she was upset um, because she said, well, you know, you're suggesting that people take these herbs, but you don't really know how much active ingredient there is in the herb. <laughs> I said, I absolutely do not. And I really enjoy that because what I know is that living things vary from moment to moment, from hour to hour, day to day, months to months and year to year, and so do plants, but drugs don't. Drugs are invariable. They do not vary. They are based on being exactly the same. And that's why I prefer herbs. It's also like I feel like there's a, um, so to speak, like a relationship, a connection between humans and, you know, herbs. Yeah. So, like in, in, you know, in the fresh, like what you were saying, like from fresh, but in the actual original state, not the way it's synthetically manipulated. You know, there's a place for that. This mm-hmm. compound in the Pacific U, the botanical name of that tree is Taxus, and the compound is Taxol. And Taxol mm-hmm. is used worldwide to treat women with ovarian cancer. Now, mm-hmm. it turns out that to make a dose of Taxol, you have to cut down an entire Pacific U. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was, you know, pretty harsh. It looked like Pacific U was, like, going to be on the bye-bye list mm-hmm. until they uh, figured out how to, like, um, clone pieces of the trees in the laboratory, and then eventually they learned how to synthesize Taxol. So that now Taxol is available to women who need it um, mm-hmm. at a price that is not astronomical, and the Pacific U is protected. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was good to know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Drugs are not bad. They may be overused. Mm-hmm. And as I'm writing about in my new book, um, we can use drugs so long as we have prepared ourselves by using the first four medicines, serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine. And once we've created that base, then if we need to use alternative medicine or pharmaceutical medicine or deep medicine, um, then then those things can be used um, in emergency or need mm-hmm. um, with good results. That's yeah, com- like that's that. complementary integrated medical revolution. Is that we're not just gonna. Um, do nothing to help ourselves, and then fling ourselves on the doctors and say, fix me. We're going to keep ourselves healthy. Mm-hmm. And then fling ourselves on the doctors and say, let's work together to fix me. Right. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Well, <laughs> looking forward for your your new book. Sounds me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you so I, much. I got a wonderful letter from uh, a big publisher. Actually, it came with a contractor uh putting some of my recipes in a in a book and uh, the letter said this book is due to be published in this and such date next year and they said but due to the whimsical nature of book publishing that may not happen and I thought what a kind way to put it the whimsical nature of book publishing so our publication date is October next year but given the whimsical nature of book publishing <laughs> I just have a, a mini um, kind of request if possible 
I'm I'm visually impaired, and I would love if your book could be made available like Audible, like um, an audio format. Thank you. Yes. Um, at, yeah. at one point, I had all of my books in audio, um, and the woman that I was doing that with and who had the files um, died unexpectedly. Oh. So um, thank you so much for asking, and I will really keep that in mind. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you, Susan. Blessings. Good night. Okay. Our next caller is coming from the 252 area code. Um, Can I just say one thing about the audio books? I really think if you do audio books, you, in your speech pattern, give so much transmission that you should read them. Don't 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 sell it out. <laughs> Please do it yourself. We well, would all like that. I did. Whenever you need to. I did. The woman that I was doing it with um, recorded me. It was me doing it. Good. Wonderful. That we I, we would all love to have that, especially all of your books. Um, so I have a question about cats. Um, I've called about the flood before and our status here in New Bern, and we yes. never talked about the fact that I have a small cattery. Um, my husband and I run the nonprofit for space in our community, and we had a community stabilization project, and we had a small cattery of 25 cats, and um, I have some health questions, integrated health questions about the cats. Um, okay. we're, visit- we're visiting our vet. Yes. And I have four of them with what they call stenosis, stemosis. Let me just see if I can remember this. Stematosis. Stematosis. Is, am I saying that right? Do you recognize this? It's a, it's a disease in the mouth of the cat. Initially, when I was told about it 13 years ago with my first cat with it, they thought it was a viral transmission from the mother in nursing. And now they're saying that they think maybe it's more of an autoimmune disease and that the cats are actually allergic to the plaque in their mouth and it leads to significant tooth decay and difficulty in the mouth and usually ends up with some level of tooth removal and then hopefully an abatement after that. Um, But I have four of them with it right now and it's apparently quite common in veterinary circles. So I'm thinking some yarrow in the tinct- yarrow tincture in their water maybe is going to be preventative. And um, the reason I'm asking about it globally is because there are 28 of them. And I would need to then do a little bit of that kind of herd management antibiotic and water that is part of what we don't want to see in, in animal husbandry. And I wanted your thoughts. Let me kind of pick it up here at the very end. Okay. Yarrow is not an antibiotic. Okay. We might so, say things like herbal antibiotics, okay. but they aren't. A drug is a single pura- purified molecule with a direction of action. Oh, okay. And, so you're saying this is a broader, this is a plant. This is an infusion of something healthy for their mouth and all the other constituents that we get when we really pull it from the plant, and that's, that's a big difference. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. You're not putting okay. antibiotic in their water. Okay. You're putting okay. yarrow in their water. That's a way water. of thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Right. Okay. So I think that it makes a very 
big difference that the yarrow has all of these different constituents. The antibiotic, any antibiotic usually works by a single mechanism. It interferes with the virus at this level or that level or when it does this or when it does that. Okay. Whereas yarrow has different volatile oils, it has different alkaloids, it has glycosides, so that it can bring a multi, multi-level ability to its tasks. Okay. It, fits, it finds its fit. It, it, it finds its fit where it needs to be to, to create that wellness. Exactly. Okay. All right. So there's and no reason not to share it with the animals, correct? I mean, I've got yarrow tincture. And I know I've listened to you. I did it, I believe, correctly. with alcohol. Okay. So Cats the rate that I was very using. Very badly with alcohol. We give the goat's tinctures right in their mouth. Plastic oh. dropper, but we do it right in their okay. mouth. With smaller animals, cats especially, I usually dilute it in milk. If the cat will just drink it, and you talked about diluting it in their water, that's a possibility, but the milk fat protects them more. Um, I know some cats are kind of finicky, and they won't drink milk. Uh, I know all cats are finicky. Some are finicky and won't drink milk. And uh, so in those situations, what I do is mix um, the tincture like Four or five dropperfuls of milk and a dropperful of the tincture, and then use a dropperful okay. of that mix as it does for average size cat. So, shall I then just address the ones that have this inflammation, or should I use this as something that you know they're they're under more stress? One of the things that the vet told me was that they did do some studies, and they noticed that they would see more instances of this in catteries than they would just in the general population. And all of the cats and catteries obviously had more elevated cortisol levels, and they made that link. So I'm wondering, should I in any way just I put? A, I was thinking like in in a, a dropper full in a cup of water and put it out as their regular water, and that that would always leave some a layer of this in their environment, and maybe that would just give them some preventative care. I would, I personally would be loath to make that their only water, but not to give them that as an additional source of water. Okay. In other words, I wouldn't force them to ingest the yarrow in order to quench their thirst. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. So if the cat won't drink that water, make sure there's supplemental water around. And that, I mean, I would think, too, to some degree, just watching them as they behave. You know, if I leave one bowl of, with it and one bowl without it, they'll tend to gravitate towards whatever's healthier for them. I, it's, they do. Them. And, exactly. and I, you know, I, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so okay. the ones who are feeling, yeah. you know, the need for it, I always think about um, the couple of school-age children who were walking with their mom and said, Mom, we're just tired of getting colds all the time at school. It was the summertime, and they were walking past a field, and she said, well, let's harvest some yarrow and make some tincture. They did, and they left it on the table where they ate breakfast, and school started. Then one morning, the younger of the two, the girls said, we need some yarrow today. And they opened the bottle, and they took some yarrow, and any morning that they felt they needed some yarrow, they took some, and they indeed did go through that school year without getting any colds. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. So hooray for them. And hooray for 
for trusting that that um, because the herbs aren't poisoning us, we will be attracted to them. That's that's exactly the way to to do this. And um, thanks for the reassurance <laughs> and, and helping me feather out some of this. You know, we're, we're in we are in heroic medicine with them, and we're having some teeth extracted. Like, and, but like, yeah, but no, I think they look at me and say, "Well, you can't give this kind of diuretic." I'm going, "Yeah, but it's a potassium rich herb." <laughs> Right. Yeah. Your definition yeah. of diuretic and, and, you, and their kidneys diuretic. will love you for it, right? Totally wrong. <laughs> totally, you know, you're wrong for me. I'm wrong for you. We can find a yeah. middle ground. We can just talk about. Well, what's I'm really happen. fortunate in my position where, because of what I do, I have half a dozen vets on of different philosophy on hand, and I have some that <laughs> have gone from, you know, I've had some that have gone from traditional medicine into being trained in Florida and holistic vet care, and I have one that is, you know, a techno state kind of a geeky guy when we need that kind of thing. So. I'm I'm really blessed in my ability to reach out for care, and and I really am blessed to have you on this end of this phone too. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Great blessings. Good night. You as well. Bye. Okay, our next caller is coming from the nine three seven area code. Hey Susan. Hi. Hey, um, I have an ear infection, and I was just wondering, you know, what I could do for it. I've been doing echinacea root tincture. Uh-huh. Um, every two hours, and I've been putting some mullein ear oil in there. Well, that sounds good. I tell you, Dr. James Duke, and we miss you, Dr. Duke. Um, well, his favorite thing for an earache was to take an onion, mm-hmm. skin it all, and wrap it up in some foil, and bake it in the oven until it's hot and soft. Mm-hmm. And then you put that hot, soft onion on the ear that aches. Don't okay. burn it. Don't make it so hot that you're going to burn your ear. Make sure that it's tolerable, but do do put it on there when it's hot. Okay. Right. Um, and sometimes he would lay like a thin piece of cloth between the ear and the, the onion to cut down on the heat a little bit or if it was particularly damp. Okay. And um, echinacea is thought of as a systemic anti-infective and it can be more difficult to get to the ear with systemic things. Okay. So it's a good deal that you're taking the echinacea. If after you've taken it for a couple of days, you don't think that it's really doing anything, cut back or stop taking it and see if you're right, if it isn't really doing anything. Okay. Um. Rebecca, you have sons. What do you do when their ears ache? Um, earaches are not that common with my kid, or actually, my kids have never complained of an earache. But I do have Ooh, some friends. Hooray! I'm lucky, <laughs> I guess. Um, but I have some friends, and I've made mullein flower oil in the past, and um, given that to them. And so, sounds like yep. you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So yep. the other thing that that um, I've heard of people doing that seems to work pretty well is to take some garlic and heat it up very gently in some oil and then use drops of that garlic oil. Do not drop the garlic in your ear. Okay. Right. It's the garlic <laughs> oil that yeah. goes in your ear. <laughs> okay. 
day. <laughs> All right. Um, I made some garlic-infused oil. I just took some raw garlic cloves and uh-huh. some olive oil, like, huh? I don't know, last year. And it, it kind of fermented or started to bubble. I wasn't sure if that was botulism or... The thing about botulism is you can't see it. Right. Right. There are botulinus spores um, that you can't actually see. It's There certainly are, you know... Difficulties um, with oil preparations of garlic used internally, but you're going to put it in your ear, so even if it had botulinus spores in it, it would not um, grow in your ear. Okay, so that would be safe to use in my ear. That would be safe to use. If it's been sitting for a long time and it was raw garlic, you may wish to put a small amount in the crook of your elbow and let that sit there for a while. So okay. that have a reaction to it, you'll have that reaction in the crook of your elbow instead of in your ear. Okay, all right. Okay? All right. And it's okay, okay that the garlic has been in the olive oil for probably a year and a half now, right? Yes, what I'm saying is okay. it could be very strong. Okay, so yeah. So don't injure yourself with it okay. in a way that you that is hard to retrieve. Injure, injure yourself in the crook of your arm where you can easily treat it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Dream blessings. Good night. Dream blessings. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 512 area code. Good evening. Hi. Hi. Hi, Susan. Um, I just first of all wanted to thank you. Um, I've called in a few times about some problems with my five-year-old son, one of them being recurring strep, and um, you encouraged me to use echinacea, or I I say echinacea, you say echinacea, (laughs) Um, and uh, I was able to actually um, get him over the strep with a combination of echinacea and elderberry. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes, I was very excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> he's been on antibiotics a lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So my question And the more frequently you use echinacea to help him get over things, the less you'll have to use it. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah. So this, I think, is connected. Um, okay. He's also had frequent ear infections, which... Um, you know, after talking to you, I've been able to treat with the echinacea also. Um, but this newer problem that's cropped up is his adenoids seem to be enlarged. Um, he's having a lot of trouble breathing at night, no matter what way we prop him. Um, and, you know, I did see, I got a second opinion on an ENT because the first one wanted just to take everything out. And the second ENT prescribed a nasal steroid, which I've been hesitant to use. Um, So I'm wondering if there are some alternatives. And the thought was the nasal steroid, of course, would shrink the adenoids, helping him to breathe better at night. I know that there are some people who really swear by neti pots or their equivalent. Have you ever heard of them? Yes, and I've, I used them in the past, um, but I think 
my five-year-old's really good about doing his nasal um, rinses every night with just a saline spray bottle. I think yes. a neti pot would be kind of tricky with him. Well, the saline spray bottle is the same deal. Mm-hmm. And the steroid is being prescribed in what form? It's the over-the-counter. It's called Flonase. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a you know it's a spray that you spray up in the nose. Uh huh. Could you spray it into the saline solution so that when he uses the saline solution, he gets a very dilute amount of the steroid? Hmm, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought of that. I can try. I need to look at the bottle and see if I can pry open the Flonase bottle. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Well, how does it get okay. delivered into his nose? It is a, it's a fancy kind of glass um, spray thing. It's, it's uh-huh. different than just your typical um, saline spray. Right. Well, what I'm suggesting is that somehow that gets sprayed into the water that's going to go into the saline sprayer. Okay. So I think you okay. could just apply it to the water the way you'd apply it to the kid's nose. Although I don't know, I'm not there. Right. See what you can do. See it, you know, see if that uh then you'll get a, a sense of whether or not that would be useful. Okay. Yeah, that's our last resort before we have to consider the surgery. Right. Um cleavers and I hate to Right, cleavers oh, tincture can sometimes help in this situation. Oh, yes, I have some. Yeah. That I made. There you go. I think he even helped me harvest it. Good. Great. All right. And dilute the um, nasal steroid. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your suggestions. Green blessings. Good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right, we just have one more caller with their hand raised. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question. And the next caller is coming from the 717 area code. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Oh, my gosh, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. You can hear me, yeah? We can hear you, yes. Okay. Let me just say that I love you. I love you. I love all of what you're doing, what you've done. It's just incredible. I don't know where you've been all my life. I, unlike many of your callers, just came upon you the past several weeks. And I've been watched all of your YouTube. I ordered your book uh, through the library. And I'm waiting for those uh, new ones. But it's just um, everything that's been naturally uh, kind of organically happening to me over the past 12 years with connecting and with nature and herbs and all that and trying to write my own, uh, I guess, uh, understanding without uh, reference. So I just feel like I just came upon just a a wealth of a library that is just for me. So thank you. (laughs) Um, You are so welcome. I mean, I'm so thrilled. You're just, it's just amazing. So how I found you, this is beautiful. Um, 
I have had a serious uh, issue with my teeth in the past seven months. And I'm 52. I've had great uh, oral hygiene and stuff like that. But the past, like, you know, seven months or so, things got really bad because I had, uh, at a young age, brushed away a lot of my gum. I had a little compulsive situation. And anyhow, uh, it then got... uh, worn down, the root got exposed, and I don't have any uh, coverage because I cured myself of rheumatoid arthritis back in 2008, um, and I've never gone back to the doctors uh, after 2012. Uh, So I do everything, again, organically, um, kind of alone, uh, curing myself naturally. But So anyway, um, I don't have coverage, and I really wanted to do this on my own. Uh, only it was impacted and, and infected. So uh, a friend has this wound paste from a forager on out in Arizona now. Um, I live in Sedona. And um, it, that was wonderful to get the infection down. And I've been using colloidal silver and, you know, all kinds of remedies. And now that the infection has cleared, I had been doing research and I found uh, people were saying comfrey root powder. And I, uh, I went to the local health food store and I got it for 40 bucks and I kept, went, uh, I went to use it. And every time I touched the bag, my solar plexus would just bounce, like repel me. And I said to myself, you know, I, I need to do more research. And I found your videos and I found that comfrey leaf, which I've been doing the infusions of, um, is quite different. And comfrey root. Thank you so much for that. I went back and returned the comfrey root powder, and I wanted to ask you for teeth and gums. I want to reverse this issue um, if it's possible. Um, and I also want to see if I could remineralize that area. What do you suggest? The Wise Traditions Foundation. Which is the current name of the Price Pottinger Foundation. Was started by Weston Price, the author of Nutrition and Human Disease. And what he was was a dentist. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know about the Wise Traditions Foundation, that mm-hmm. would be a very good place to start. They believe that, among other things, that it's critical to the health of your teeth that you eat butter. Mm. That's another thing. I watched your debate, and I have been a vegetarian, gluten-free, very strict, clean diet. I can't do raw. My body didn't digest it, but when I watched your videos, I knew why. Uh, but, yes, I've been – the reason why this is happening, FYI, is because I am quite malnutrition, mm-hmm. and, or however you would term it, and that's why this arose. So, yes. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You cleaned yourself into bad health. I did. Because clean ain't healthy. Isn't that incredible? There are people who have a disease called celiac disease. 
It is a disease like multiple sclerosis or cystic fibrosis, and these people cannot eat gluten. Everybody else who isn't eating gluten is an idiot. <laughs> I can't eat it, by the way. <laughs> so you have celiac disease. I love disease. your humor. Uh, actually, they tried to diagnose it because it was extreme in my blood, but uh, there's this, I don't know, I was told this was 06, uh, 2006. They sent it to a lab in California, and it was inconclusive. But every time I put gluten in my mouth, every my whole system goes crazy, and it's not pretty. So I just stay away from it. Sounds reasonable but to no, me. But no, I'm not. But that I'm doesn't have anything to do with being clean. Mm-hmm. Gluten isn't it's dirty. True. It's true. That's so, it. butter, meat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, your teeth are there to take care of meat. You don't eat meat, your teeth are going to leave. Oh, that's so scary. My teeth are so important to me. <laughs> well, okay, that's Susan, like, you, you know, you're you saying... Are- I'm having a lot of problem with my left arm, which has been tied to my body for 10 years. And I'm saying, well, maybe you need to exercise it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, um, because if okay, you don't so at this point, it is just going to rot off your body because it's being unused. Mm. You know, when every, I try to everything, it everything is alive. Plants are alive. Okay. Everything is sentient. Plants are sentient. Everything is imminent. Everything is part of spirit and memory. Yes. yes. All of it. Yes. Why do you hate animals so much mm. that you will I not? I love animals. Excuse me? Suppose I told you that I loved you, but you weren't allowed to come into my house and I would never touch you. Oh, well, here's the thing. My you feel loved by that? Would you? Or would you prefer that I said, honey, I love you. I want to eat you up. Come into my bedroom. Uh, I say that to my grandkids. You cannot fool me into thinking that vegetarianism is love for animals. It's not. But listen, there wasn't, for me personally, there wasn't that association. I didn't even have that philosophy or agree with it. My body just started to reject certain foods and certain meats. I mean, like, really That I do not believe. That I truly believe is simply an expression of unconscious thoughts. But when people's bodies start rejecting meat, which, after all, you are made of meat. You can't very well reject meat. Or, as Ryan Drum says, you're an obligatory carnivore. You break down the lining of your gut from your tongue right down to your asshole every single day and eat it. So we're always eating meat. I'm harvesting you know, Neriocystis kelp with Ryan. And I looked down and I said, Ryan, look at this. These are these like baby crustaceans on the kelp. He said, yeah, a little trace animal is good for those vegans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love you. I just love it. It's, 
you drive it home beautifully. Um, uh, it's okay. okay. You're a human being. You're alive on this planet. You are allowed to accept all of the gifts. You can accept the gifts of antibiotics and surgery and eating meat. We just don't want to overdo them. Right? It's not a matter of not ever. It's a matter of not always. Mm. Thank you. They've actually added orthorexia, I believe, to the diagnostic manual. Orthorexia, the... Um, the 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 mental disorder of having to eat clean. Oh, I, I it's around me. I would say that is definitely valid. Yeah, I see it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it really crystallized when I watched your debate. Um, I forget the woman's name in Colorado. Several Brigitte years back, Mars, you did my the love mm-hmm. Brigitte. Yes. Yes, it was, but you really drove some stuff home because there are so many women I've met who couldn't have children, who, I mean, yeah. And and the, I didn't catch on because they were raw and I wasn't, I'm, you know, vegetarian, but I didn't catch on to the connection, but you really crystallized yeah. it because I've met so many. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Here's another question. Can I ask another question, please? Yes, you can. Real short. So and Rebecca will infusions. interrupt us if we need to stop. Okay, good. Your infusions. I, I didn't get the book yet. I don't know how long they're lasting. Do I keep them out after they sit for four hours? Can I, do I put them in the fridge if I want to do it overnight, which I have been? Because um, some of them feel like they're really strong. And I'm doing your, your calculations of the one ounce per quart. Um, you have but a scale. My nettle was a little slippery. You have a scale? Mm-hmm. The scale that you're using? Well, I used it at the store and brought it home in each step. You weighed it out at, at the store. Yes. You weighed out one ounce at the store. Correct. Okay, Correct. that's that's a very expensive way to go. If you're really going to start drinking infusions, you need a scale, and you need to start buying the herb by the pound because to drink mm-hmm. a sort of infusion a day is going to be two pounds of herb a month. Or 25 as pounds soon as of my budget can handle that, I will be doing that. But right now, I just wanted to get $10 started. $10 a pound for stinging nettle, whereas if you buy it by the ounce, it's $4 an ounce. True. Well, yeah, it's it's too something so here. But I, yes, I, I get your point. So I it used to say that your budget can't handle it. You're right. It makes total sense to just do it that way. But I have to get myself a scale, one that you I understand. Use, which I love. They're pretty inexpensive. Okay. You know, and sometimes you can even find one at yard sales. So put out to the universe that you need a scale. And or people have gone with their herb and a bunch of baggies to the store and weighed it out at the store. Many of the herb departments are like way in the back where nobody is going to hassle you if you use their scale for a while. (laughs) You know, right? Yes, yes. If it comes to that. If it comes to that, you know, take your herb, your panda herb and your baggies and go bag it up at the store and buy something while you're there and take them, you know? Absolutely. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. I shall. Work around it. You know, do do, do your best. And, 
And sometimes, you know, if you have friends who are drinking infusions, you all can go in together to to buy well, the herb together and to share it until you can, you know, get up to a point where it becomes even more economical mm. for you. But the, my ideal is that it should not cost you more than a dollar a day. So one okay. ounce by weight in the quart mm-hmm. jar, the jar filled mm-hmm. to the top with boiling water, the herb stirred, and then more boiling water added so that it's really filled to the top, and a lid put on that. And that's allowed to steep for a minimum of four hours or overnight mm-hmm. at room temperature. At room temperature. Steeps yes. at room temperature, even if it steeps overnight. Now, in the summer, when we're making large amounts of nourishing herbal infusion, we do it in a pan. So we might bring three gallons of water to a boil. That's 12 quarts. Add 12 ounces. That's three quarters of a pound of herb to our pot. Stir it in. Put a lid on it. And we then walk it downstairs to the basement, which has a concrete floor. Mm. And we put that three-gallon pot of infusion right on that concrete floor, which sucks some of the heat out of it. But you Mm -hmm. sure don't want to put even a quart of boiling hot infusion in your refrigerator, which is not going to last long to tell many tales if you keep doing it. Yeah, no. I leave it out, but I don't remember how long it it Once it has infused and it is cool, then... What most people do is strain it and put it in the refrigerator, but not everybody. Mm-hmm. I talk about Justine, my daughter, who tends to put out seven or eight half-gallon jars, put two ounces of herb in each jar, boil a huge pot of water, fill them all to the top, put lids on them, let them cool down, and then stores a lot of them in a refrigerator. Oh. Now, she runs a bed and breakfast, so she has a lot of refrigerator space. Mm-hmm. And that works for her. And so she's basically made a week's worth of infusion for her family in one blow. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. In general, once you have opened an infusion you've made, figure that it's going to last for 24 to 48 hours. Uh. So what she does is she knows which of those infusions she needs to open first, and usually it's the oat straw. The oat straw is the one that spoils the fastest. The nettle spoils pretty readily. The comfrey, Mm -hmm. the linden, and red clover are the least likely to spoil. Uh, Plus, of course, she has them in sealed jars. And because we put boiling water in that jar and put a lid on it, it's a canning lid, it is sucked down. So it's actually vacuum sealed. For most people, making infusion every night or every other night by making two quarts in an evening seems to work out pretty well. The second quart in is sealed and stays refrigerated is good again for that 24 to 48 hours after it's opened. So if I haven't opened it, it's just like a canning situation, yeah? Not just like, but it has been better than just lidded. Okay. So you couldn't, in a canning situation, you could sort it room temperature. This has to be kept refrigerated. Okay. You can't keep it out. 
Perfect. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I'm so happy. I wish I had all night to ask you questions. <laughs> I can't uh, well, wait thank for your you book. so much for your questions. Thank you. Your enthusiasm. You. Green blessings. Good night. Bye. Our next caller is coming from the 951 area code. Hello. Hello, 951, are you there? Hello. You're on the Hello, are you there in the 951? I don't think she can hear us, but... Yep. <laughs> they put the phone down. They're not this more. Okay. Well, we'll go back to them. And if anybody else has a question, please press one uh, to ask Susan. And um, since we have a moment here, I just want to bring something up because I've just been feeling like super heavy after I did some shamanic therapy sessions last week and um, brought up like a lot of you know, suppressed, uh, some suppressed stuff that was, has been going on in my, since, you know, my whole life basically. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, my, my mom is like a big part of that. And I just, uh, decided today to write her a letter into, um, close communication and close, uh, some, some ties with her and, She's been doing this thing every Tuesday when we're on the radio together when she, she calls because she knows I'm on the radio and she wants to, like, talk to um, my boys and stuff. And um, But it's just really distracting, and um, she's just been very unkind and just not, you know, like, saying stuff, like, bringing up, like, a lot of, like, this abuse stuff that happened in my childhood and, like, blaming it on me and stuff and... I don't know if there's any support that you can even offer me, but it's just so heavy right now, you know? Yeah. Well, I want to remind you about the three responses to criticism that we taught you as an apprentice. So when your mom starts saying it's your fault that this happened, one of those responses can be... I hear you. One of those responses can be, you could be right. But she's so nasty, though, and she just, like, keeps you clinging it. You could be right. Perhaps I had something to do with it, is your second response. Mm-hmm. Or, you think that this had something to do with me. Now, We immediately find our resistance. Resistance is the name of the game. She's being nasty. I didn't have anything to do with it. How could I be blamed? And what we want is both and. Mm -hmm. You can maintain that you had nothing to do with it and that you were the victim of it. And at the same time, you can say, well, golly gee, it takes two to tango. On some level that I am completely unconscious of, on some soul level, whatever, I had a hand in this. Mm-hmm. 
And when we do that, we get bigger and lighter. Yeah, I also when think a lot, we, a lot. Right? He wasn't can, there protecting as a child, though, either. And I'm, and I also feel like, you know, like I need to like stand up to her and just be like, you know, I'm not going to take this anymore, yeah, I, and I'm not going. Feel like that is not followed by a feeling is a lie. You don't feel that you should stand up to her. You think that you should stand up to her. Did I ever have you read the compulsion to recreate and overcome childhood hurts? Um, I haven't read that. That is a, one of the guide lectures by Eva Paracos. And you can find it in her book, The Pathwork of Self-Transformation. And as long as you're unaware of the conflict between your longing for perfect love from your parents and your resentment against them, you are bound to try remedying the situation in your latter years. You may try to remedy the situation in your choice of love partner or by cutting your parents off. This entire procedure is utterly destructive. In the first place, it is an illusion that you were defeated. It is an illusion that you can be victorious. It is an illusion that you lacked love. It is an illusion that you were a victim. It is an illusion that you were victimized. Indeed, the only tragedy is the tragedy that your subconscious will not let go. You are obstructing your future happiness by continuing to reproduce this situation and then to master it. Of course, nothing is further from your mind as you focus on your conscious aims and wishes. It's going to take a great deal of digging to uncover the emotions that lead you again and again into remedying your childhood woes. This is just a few lines of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know what else to do but to stop communicating with her at this point. So. Well, what else to do is to open your heart to love, honey. That's what else to do. What's that? Yeah, it's to open your heart to love. I'm, I, I'm, I'm obviously missing some very important thing. She calls to talk to your sons while you and I are doing the blog talk show, and this is is a problem because you can hear it going on and it distracts you. Because she calls this phone while I'm on here, knowing that I'm on the radio, and yeah, it's really distracting, and I don't, I. So she doesn't the get things, through, but she calls. The things that she has said to me are very nasty, and I'm just, I'm, I'm done. She calls I'm done. while you and I are on the show? Mm-hmm. And says mean things to you? No. Now, how, this is, she's been now how does she get and, through? Because I, it's a, a double line, and then... Um, it's, and she, you, don't like, have, you don't have to accept her call for her to get through? No, but my family knows that she's calling because the phone's hooked up to the house, and so then then it proceeds. So, 
And last time, yeah, Sean called her back, but it was just very, it's its upsetting to me. Yeah, it, it totally bothers me. I hear you. I totally hear you. I thought what you were saying was that she called another number to talk to your sons because she knew that it would be a good time to entertain them, to be with them. No, it's i it's more, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's like she a. She's not calling to talk to your son. She's calling to be mean to you. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like some, it's a, it's a, yeah, basically, I mean. And you hear her, you hear her because it just rings through and it picks up and then she starts talking to you? No, no, it's, uh, it's, Sean called her back last time and because she was calling on this line and I said, would you please call her back, you know, and talk to her. And then it just like, it just spiraled out, you know, like of her saying things and that being manipulative, basically. Because she's and I don't want my some her childhood hurts too, honey. Well, I hear somebody's, that, but I don't want her to do it gotta through grow up. my family. What? Somebody's got to quit saying he kicked me first. Who's it going to be? Who's the bigger person? I've done this with her for a long time, and every time I let her back in, it it just you know it just comes back to this I like place where you she, let her oh, in struck. at all. What's that? I'm not suggesting you let her in. I'm suggesting you be not so affected. Mm-hmm. She's not going to change. I know that. And I hear so, that. Triple dip in Teflon. You may be mm-hmm. right. I hear you. Get over it. Find a way to get over it. And know that anytime anyone criticizes you in such a way that you really hurt and you're really upset by it, then they have shown you something very important. Mm-hmm. death bless my enemies. They are the ones who make me strong and wise. It is so hard to see what we are in denial of. And the best mirror to find those places we're in denial of is somebody who loves us, who's mean to us. Because then we can really see where it is that we're faking ourselves out. Somebody says you're not really a very good friend. I can say, yeah, well, that's your opinion. You don't think I'm really a very good friend. I'm sorry. Or I can say, oh, I'm not really a very good friend. Oh, whoa, what a bad thing to say about me. How mean. Obviously, it's only mean because I believe it. 
And I only believe it because there's an element of truth there. We're very complicated beings. I don't want to believe what she's saying anymore, I guess. Yeah. You don't have to believe it as true for you, but you have to believe it as true for her. And once you believe it as true for her, then you can actually have compassion for her. But she's locked up in that universe. Yuck. Yeah. I know she's in a lot of pain, so... And we always feel badly when someone that we love is in pain. And we would like to wave our magic wand and make it go away. Yep. Yeah, we do. We do. And so then, as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross taught us, when someone we love is in pain and we can't wave our magic wand and make it go away, we get mad at them. Mm Mm-hmm. We get mad at them for being in pain that we can't make go away. When really, isn't love what we want? And love doesn't mean you have to accept anything she says. It just means you have to accept Ah, Mom, there you are, going on again about that. Well, I love you anyhow. Well, Mom, you may think I'm a really rotten mother, and that's your opinion. You're welcome to it, but I love you anyhow. Gee, Mom, you think I'm making a real big mess of my life. You might be right. I love you anyhow. Because isn't that where we want to be? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think someplace in there she does love me, but I, and I do love her. It's just, it's, yeah, it's complex and. Well, hey, yo, mother, daughter, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Complex. Right. <laughs> it's like saying that pub- book publishing is whimsical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The whimsical nature of book publishing, the story press. I'm like, that's good. The whimsical nature of book publishing. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. mothers. Very deep, very complex, very profound. And it reverberates. It's not just you, it's not just her, it's her mother. Mm hmm. Right? It's the whole line. Everybody's yeah. in on it. Everybody's in on it. And as Robin at Medicine Meals would say to us, well, you're crying today. You know, that's the earth's tears. We just have to express it for the earth sometimes, girl. <laughs> and so that's another good, you know, view to say, oh, God, look at that. My mom is like really, you know, letting off some of the earth's energy here today. 
Yeah. Yeah. This feels yeah. So. Feels so intense. You know, and if and hey, the truth of the matter is that cutting off communication with her is a short-term strategy, isn't it? I don't know. It's a short-term strategy. It's not going to last forever, and you're just going to feel silly when when it has to change. Uh, maybe I'm missing something here, but I do not hear anything here. I don't hear substances that she's abusing. I don't hear. Um, he is. He's a pill. Uh, she's like a uh, okay. pill. So there is there you is know, behavior is I mean, not I could entirely her own. Thing, you know, I mean, like there's been like lifelong, like really intense kind of. You know, she's very has been super abusive to me and my brother, and you know, it's like, and yeah, and then her her husband and everything too. They're all, you know, it's a very um, drug induced uh, household with what they, yeah. So, and I just don't, you know, I don't want my kids to have all that like toxic. It's like sludge that just a bunch of garbage that comes with it, and I, you know. I don't want them to be manipulated in the way that I was and that I had to work so hard to get out of. It's like when, you know, it's like I just can hear her talking bad about me to them, you know, and I just don't want that. And so I don't know if it's a lifelong are you, thing. Are I feel you like, saying that she actually talks to your children badly about you or that you hear that in your mind's eye, so to speak? I hear it in my mind because she did that my whole life, you know, like with my father, you know, it's like, and so I just feel like if she, if I let her in, you know, that she's, because I mean, of the stuff she keeps saying to me that, you know, that's going to be like, if I let my children know that I allow her to treat me like that and that she's talking to me that way and talking, therefore talking to them that way too. That seems very convoluted to me. Does it? Yeah. Seems about, it seems like, you know, it's pushed off and pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. So let me see if I can get a little bit clearer here. What you're saying is that your mother takes illegal drugs? No, she does, you know, it's mainly like she's a nurse access to a lot of pharmaceutical painkillers, sleeping pills, um, you know, barbiturates, like anti-anxiety, you know, like she has like a whole, you know, large Ziploc bag she travels with that has pill bottles in it. That's the way she rolls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of pain. A lot of mm-hmm. pain there. And, um, From what I'm hearing you say, she is always on some kind of, let's call the mood-altering drugs. Mm-hmm. Sedatives, yeah. pain pills. She's, there is no time when she is not taking these substances. Yeah, I would say that that's true. So we can't say that there's her behavior when she's not taking them and their behavior when she is because she always is. Mhm. Yeah. When I moved to New York City, I lived in a fifth-floor walk-up tenement, and it was really small. 
although it actually had a bathroom. There were tenements in which the bathtub was in the kitchen. This one actually had a separate bathtub. So it was like, you know. But still in all, with Justine growing, we needed more space. And so we moved two blocks away. We'd been on um, 11th and Avenue A, and we moved to 11th and Avenue C. This really nice person helped us move all of our stuff in. And he was just, wow, you know, he was like so energetic. I mean, he was like going up and down the stairs like twice or three times as fast as I could possibly do it and just moving our stuff. And he was so good, and he told us where to go out to eat. And then he robbed us blind. And I found out pretty quick that he was cokehead. And I would say that that was one of the greatest gifts of my life because it kept me from ever even wanting to have anything to do with cocaine. Hmm. I teasingly, but it's not really a tease, told my parents that they failed me as parents because they did not ever expose me to any alcoholics. I had no idea people could be alcoholic. Are we raising a little Siddhartha here that we're keeping him away from all troubles of the world? Are we raising a sleeping beauty who is never to be allowed to encounter real life? Your mother is your real life. She takes drugs and she acts in aberrant ways because of it. But I don't think it's going to ruin your kids' lives. She's their grandmother. For better or worse, she's their grandmother. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I just, I, I, I absolutely cannot have her in my life talking to me the way that she does, and it's not, it's not healthy for me, and I don't want my and my kids. You can say to her, "I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm just not going to tolerate that." And that's what I'm doing. And that's what you, but you don't have to cut off communications to do that. That's what I'm saying. With her, I do because she can't control herself. Just doesn't ever end. That's the thing. It's a cycle. Well, we have gone all the way around into a circle. We're right back where we started from. And so I'm right back, and this is the last thing I will say, and that is somebody in this circle has to act like the adult here. And I don't think that cutting off communications with your mother or your daughter or your father or your son is ever the right answer. Hmm. Okay, I appreciate your your thoughts and yeah. Mhm. Hard as it is. Hard. It's hard. It's hard. Family is hard. All right, well... Change your phone system so she can't get through to you. Come on. That's doable. So she can't get through while we're on the blog talk show. She shouldn't be disturbing you while we're on the show. That's not fair. You're you're at work. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see if we can uh, get one more caller in here. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. The next caller uh, before our guest arrives is coming from a private uh, phone number. Hello. Hello. Hi, Susan, and and I I have to just, I'm sorry I've been waiting to talk to you for a little bit since I got on the phone late, but I am in tears from what just went down, and I called to ask you something else, but that you were speaking to me and my relationship with my mom, and it's not what I wanted to hear, and I, I know it's probably not what your sweet assistant wanted to hear either, but... um. It was a bitter pill, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to even talk about it, but you really oh, hit my heart very hard because it was a teaching I needed to hear, and I'm going to have to process it. So anyway, I apologize for going off on a tangent. Hey, love, is about, love is always about getting bigger. We always know what direction we're going in. Are we getting bigger? We're going in the direction of love. Are we getting smaller? We're not going in the direction of love. Oh, oof. anyway, thank you. Anyway. I'm sorry. I don't. I hate to change the subject even abruptly. Go ahead, change the subject. We don't have a lot of time. I know you're right. I've only got three minutes, and, and thank Something you like again. Something like that, but change the subject. Go ahead. All right, I'm going. I'm changing. All right, good. Susan, I've talked to you before. I'm your neighbor. I'm Michelle. I'm not your neighbor neighbor. I just live in the Catskills, too. And um, I've talked to you before about thinking I had, I'll remind you, you probably remember because I'm pain in the neck. <laughs> I remind, I had a, bla- I thought I had a bladder infection. And I I feel like, and I, and I have the book down there. And we talked a little bit about um, taking, I, I do nourishing, I, no, I'm sorry, I drink and delight in my nourishing herbal yeah, infusion. Yeah, you do. Right, oh, and we must talk about that corn. We must talk about corn milk the other day, and I froze it. And I said, "Didn't approve of that, but I don't want to waste it. I'm going to drink it tomorrow." Oh, I think your freezing is perfect. I have no problem with that yeah. at all. As a matter of fact, it was if people really, are really good. Reluctant to drink the infusions, I suggest that they. Um, freeze them in ice cube tray and then use them in other beverages. Use those as ice cubes in other beverages. Oh, oh well, there I learned something without even asking you. Well, there you but, go, right? <laughs> I, I, I really want to get your opinion on this because um, this has been going on now for a long time. And there was a point back in February where I had a, well, I did get a pee test and they thought I had a minor infection, blah, blah. Blah, corn silk, yarrow, all good things uh, uh-huh. that you told me. About. I felt uh-huh. better, but but and here's the thing: there's I I just I I'm trying to talk to my bladder. I know I only got two minutes. I'll say this fast. I don't. I'm not incontinent. I am not peeing really all that often. It's just that I constantly feel like I. I mean, there's just it's almost debilitating, like in a fatigue kind of way. If I'm distracted and I'm making something or I'm working, I don't think about it, but it's like, oh, God, as soon as I pee, I still feel like I have to pee. Is this just getting old? I mean, it's fine if it is, but it's just frightening the hell out of me. So I'm I'm sorry. I'll let you talk now. I just... Oh, that's okay. I understand that you are frightened. I don't think there's anything to be frightened about. Okay. And again, the information on the detrusor muscle the muscle that controls the bladder in down there, I think is very important information. Uh-huh. 
Um, yep. Because as we, yes, as we age, that muscle can get a little more spastic, right? All kinds of muscle spasms happen as we age, right? People yep. get yep. people get leg cramps and this, that, and the other thing, and that muscle too can go go into a cramp, and that means that you don't completely void, and there is a little bit left. You're not having a mistake in that feeling. It's just not really important. Okay. It's not really okay. like when you eat out at a restaurant, they come and they fill your water glass up even if you've only drunk an inch of it, right? Right, right. And that's okay, right? Sure. So it really okay. doesn't matter if you completely empty your bladder. So long as you're emptying your bladder on a regular basis, there's a little bit left, and you can bear up with that feeling, it's going to be Okay. Okay, so it's just it is just a natural process. It's just that I'm I don't know. I like to worry about things. I guess I, I have to stop. But Susan, I just want to say one more quick thing. My mom's had problems like this for like the last two or three years, and I feel like I'm taking on her symptoms. So I've got to listen to your show again. What you just were saying to to your assistant there, and and try to buck up because I feel like I am taking her em- empathetically taking her on. So anyway, thank you. Uh. Ah, oh, what we are so closely tied to our mothers and our mothers to us. And, well, certainly, I mean, that's as it should be. We were made out of the stuff of our mother's body. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, what as, a as always, I'm sorry to delay this out <laughs> Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings to you. And happy winter solstice. And welcome to Yaya Erin Rivera, Merry Woman, uh, a plant spirit medicine practitioner, ritualist, goddess scholar, mother, and artist, best known as the director of Active Culture Family. Erin walks a path of community stewardship and service to Gaia through her roles as lead facilitator of the Medicine Mandala Green Magic Apprenticeship Program and as priestess of Bridge Temple, a remote, off-grid, mystery school, healing sanctuary, culture farm, and library of earth magic located on sacred land in the Cleveland National Forest of San Diego, California. How are you this evening? I'm good. Thank you for having us on the show. What a delight. I'm just uh, in the middle of reading Yo! by Julia Alvarez. I don't know if I know that one. It's a great book, and she's quite a delightful author. So I would highly recommend her work, Julia Alvarez. What's yeah, what are you reading there? What's important for people to know about you? Yeah, yeah, Erin. Oh, it changes uh, probably day to day, but definitely circles back around to um, that I'm unapologetic about the amount of time that I spend on self-care and that I really do know that there's always a win-win. There's just not always mutual willingness to take the time to find it. Uh, I'm a very passionate person, but I'm um, not 
always as attached to my perspective as people assume that I am based on how passionate I am about it. Um, <laughs> that um, I'm on a lifelong journey of communication, but that doesn't mean that I'm skillful or even ever good at it. It just means that I'm really committed to continuing to learn and grow in this department, and I really like to be in that space with other people who love communication. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when did you first learn about the Wise Woman tradition and the Wise Woman Center? Uh, I lived in New York City. I grew up on the East Coast. I moved to New York City when I was 18, and um, I noticed that a lot of the punks that I grew up with eventually found the herbalism community, and it makes sense to me this kind of way of saying there's something not quite right about the society that I'm uh, being exposed to. I'm going to do something else and that the plants kind of making your own medicine is a very DIY appeal. Um, so I had some punk rock herbalist friends who were checking out Robin Rose Bennett and saying, Hey, I think you'd like her. Sometimes her face reminds me of your face. And so I just went on a whim to one of her workshops and then read her book and saw that she had studied with you. And I just thought to myself, well, I like this person. They seem to know some stuff and their teacher's still alive. So uh, I, I'm going to go to the source and check that out too. So that was, that was how I found you. Wow. And that was how long ago? Uh, I think 10 years, nine or 10 years ago. Or 10 years. Yeah. What, what was your experience when you arrived here at the, uh, <laughs> at the land at, at the Laughing Rock Farm? Well, I still remember to this day that your literature on your website said something like, there are some people who are allergic to anger, and if you're one of those people, this might not be the apprenticeship for you. And I just thought, well, you know, uh, it can't be that bad. Uh, I'm, I, I don't like when people are angry, but it, I'm, I'm not allergic. And I kind of ignored that little line. Um, and so it was terrifying for me at the time. I was just a very shy kind of person and uh, I didn't have any role modeling for like what to do when someone um, raises their voice even. My whole nervous system would just shut down. And um, so I was definitely in freeze mode for a lot of the time. But in between the moments of freeze mode, I, I absorbed uh, a lot of, I mean, everything I was asking for and wanting in uh, in terms of knowledge, and then lots of things that I didn't even know to ask for and didn't even know that I had, you know, picked up until, you know, they started to pop open over the years. And so... Uh, those those time-release pills we told you about, right? Yeah, the, that, it, that's real. <laughs> that's real. That's real. Um, it is. We do indeed feed you up with time-release pills. Yeah. Yeah. And they pop open just when you need them, and suddenly you go, oh, my gosh, that's what Susan meant. Yeah, I think that there's certain um, capacities that I that really did not emerge at all until I started teaching, which was another thing that you said. I was like, I don't, don't want to – I don't even want to be an herbalist. I just want to, like, n not be um, – 
totally clueless on this planet. I'm, I'm not going to teach this. And you were like, that's what they all say. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't maybe it was six or seven or eight years later that people started to ask me to teach the things that they saw me practicing. And, you know, I, I would say no. And then at some point I, I realized that that wasn't fair, that people were asking me for information that, in fact, I had. And I didn't even really know that I had until I saw that reflected in the community that they were like, you have this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that they they want some of that power. Mhm. That's interesting that you put it in that in those terms because I've just been exploring like using other words for power just to see like is there other words and so I like to say like oh I'm looking for it to be more effective versus like oh I'm looking for more power but um, that it is. It is. It is. But it really and is, remember, and that's what attracted you to it in the first place. Well, I and remember on the first night, maybe when you had me come in the garage and did the tarot reading, and uh, we had our exchange, our opening exchange. You, you had me put my hands on your forearms. You just could like grab my forearms, okay? And it, it felt like I was plugged my like stuck my finger in an electrical socket. And I'd never felt anything like that before. And so I think that moment kind of gave me a lot of um, ability to hang out and stay when it got hard because I just felt like, well, that was really real. And I want to know more about that. And so obviously I'm saying electrical socket. Like there, there's no other d- way to describe what that was. But it's like I could feel the energy uh, I can feel the power. Uh, yeah. 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 There are certain things that are power. And, they're, and they're, I think they're, it was exciting for me to, to learn, like, okay, where does that power come from? Because I can be right. um, skeptical and curious. And so to really learn, like, it comes from the plants. And that's not complicated. It's not secret sauce. Just drink the nettle and you too can have all the energy that you need to do what you need to do. Exactly. Drink the nettle and breathe with the plants and put your feet on the earth. Because we are surrounded by a huge amount of power and energy. Plenty to share with everybody. So you said that you came here because you wanted to what I'm calling get some of that power, some of that power so we don't have to go to the drugstore, so we can be a little more free. So that's another word for it, too, is freedom. Uh, and that that you yeah, didn't really time, consider yourself an herbalist. Do you consider yourself an herbalist now? <laughs> well, I think about the question all the time. Um, and I guess I, I guess the way I think of it is why doesn't that word quite feel right? Um, I'm doing all the things that that word means, and I love other people who say that they're herbalists, and I see that we're doing a lot of the same things. And I think what I've learned is that I'm something else first, and I'm still figuring out what that is, but I did have a dream in the last year where I told someone else, I'm a blank that teaches or I teach blank to herbalists and tantricas so that's what I'm working with in my cosmic algebra right now is is around like am I an herbalist or not and it's like well I am a hobby herbalist 
but my profession <laughs> is teaching something else, maybe liberation. I don't know. I'm, I'm still finding the language, but something else. To, but the audience that I feel most inspired to give most generously to is the plant people and the tantricas. Yes. You know, it's interesting um, how much social constraint, shall we say, there is on any given thing. Like mm-hmm. if I was to say, are you a swimmer? There's yeah. not very much social constraint on that, right? Right. Most people who can get in the water and swim would say, yeah, I'm a swimmer. <laughs> right? We yeah. wouldn't have to think that you could, like, go to the Olympics to call yourself a swimmer. <laughs> I like where I think you, you are going. With yeah, that. and that's, of course, one of the things that I have worked um, throughout the past 50 years to do is to loosen up the cultural constraint on what it means to be an herbalist. Why can't a two-year-old who knows how to use plantain be called an herbalist? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it, you know, gee, I don't, I don't see clients. Sure, I do a blog talk show, but I don't see clients. Does that mean I'm not an herbalist if I don't see clients? Mm-hmm. Right? What is her cultural constraint there? Right? Do you, oh, I go to a doctor. I can't be an herbalist, right? And I, you know, have always jokingly said that my daughter, who has probably as many jars of tinctures in her basement as I do, right, and who uses herbs for just about everything that goes on in her life, if asked if she's an herbalist, will say, "Well, goodness gracious, no." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay too, right? I understand why she says no. Right? <laughs> But I think that you could add it to your list of accomplishments. Mm. It would fit right in there. Well, thanks. Tell me about <laughs> goddess scholar. What kind of goddess oh. scholarship do you do? I'm fascinated by that. Do you focus on a specific goddess or all goddesses? or? I think it's really all goddesses of all cultures. Um, of course, I'm always learning myself, what is this? But but when I say I'm a really passionate person um, or um, I might be, not be so attached to one perspective or another, it's the thing that where that passion comes through the most, and I really feel it in my body, is around learning different ways that different cultures have perceived what I feel to be and understand to be the same energy and how they have cataloged and uh gone to great lengths to preserve that information, sometimes above all other information, and why that would be that they have poured themselves into, you know, pressing the the characters into huge tablets of clay and burying them in caves at just great lengths to preserve everything that they knew. And so any contemporary writers that are dedicating their life to translating some of those other languages uh, into English so that I can read it. I'm eternally indebted to, and I am just, when I speak to elders and sources of the Western spirituality movement and they reference other writers or other peers of theirs in their talks, I'm always furiously writing down all of the names of the titles that they feel are the, the most um, groundbreaking, 
uh, translations, and I don't know where it goes. It's like I feed it all into some deep place in my core, and then it comes out as, like, I don't know, folksy life wisdom or something. (laughs) So isn't this interesting? Apropos what we're talking about, right? That you feel comfortable saying that you're a goddess scholar, even if you don't have a PhD in goddess scholarship, even if you have not published. This this is interesting. Yeah. These articles in journals, right? (laughs) I mean, again, again, I'm not in any way saying that there's any any problem here at all. I'm just, it's curious to me what cultural constraint we think is required to call ourselves certain things. Yeah, definitely. Like Eagle Song, you know, and she was getting kind of annoyed with all these people with all the letters after her name. And so finally she decided to put letters after her name. And the letters she put after her name were CCH, Community Created Herbalist. Oh, that's great. I love it. Right, and she said she felt so proud to be able to put CCH after her name. Yeah. I think that's really fun. We have a, a woman in the community whose daughter changes her name very regularly, and she's really serious about it. Um, and uh, that we've all kind of picked that up and just decided, like, anybody can change their name anytime they want, and you just let us know, and we will call you that. And this feels like just part of the same thing is the um, just being, for me, I get excited when people have a creative sense of identity and so you can find like people with that have that in all different walks of life. Uh, Yeah. I think when I chose to bring in that language for myself, it was wanting to honor that, like um, that it wasn't just that I have a goddess sadhana or like, like daily spiritual practice um, that, that I was committed to the study and the, the scholarship and the world of honoring the scholarship uh, and what, like, that I think that that's an important part of, you know, health in, for, you know, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. One of the, the things that um, you do that is different is that you make a connector or bridge between the world of plant spirit medicine and the world of sexuality, the world of Tantra. Would you talk about that a little? Yes. Um, Again, back to what first had me seeking apprenticeship in the plant realm was that I had a undiagnosed at the time chronic pain condition that was later uh, diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which basically means nothing. It means like you're free to heal this however you want because the third dimension has nothing for you. Um, And that in my goal, you know, even when you say, oh, you came, you're seeking power. It was definitely like, like the liberation, the power that is the liberation of not being in excruciating pain in every moment, um, that that was what was like maybe tying up my energy or my power. And so that was the, the guiding light or lens or that through which I explored everything for the last few decades. And so at a certain point, I feel that, that it was just cumulative that, I was stripping away beliefs and habits and attachments that were um, 
entangling my energy in a very kind of slow, dedicated way, and plants were part of that. But at a certain point, it's like I just chiseled off the heaviest layer and my sexual energy just exploded. So I was not like questing a better sex life or like I wasn't having great sex, but it was, it was fine. It's like having like a, you know, a sandwich that you're just like, it was a fine sandwich. I'm not hungry anymore. Um, that was what sex in my life, you know, I didn't think that I had a problem with it. Um, but all of a sudden a certain layer of my um, energy was freed up and, I was having really, you know, wild energetic experiences with myself. And I didn't recognize them as sexual even at first. I just was like, what the hell is this? I feel like a werewolf. I want to rip off my skin. Um, I, what do I do? And somehow went down a Google rabbit hole and things around sacred sexuality and Tantra started popping up. And I very, like, very... Um, hesitantly had a lot of aesthetic resistance to the like contemporary sexuality scene and it's just like oh god there's like a red satin pillow with a little stain on it oh this is uh. Uh, something about the plants that I work with, you know, in a quote-unquote separate area of my life, it, it, that was my thoughts at the time, oh, this is this other area of my life where I would have this really respectful relationship with the plants that, you know, is very comfortable and easy to talk about. Um, I, It's like the plants had had been just working on the the not me parts of me that, uh, that I was identified with just slowly, steadily all the time. And so things like nettle, oat straw, the nourishing herbs, huge part of that, huge foundational level of just kind of um, helping me feel my own energy uh, and strengthening like what health feels like for me. But then uh, kava came into my life and it's just a similar kind of way of just like being just dropped in and I wasn't, like it didn't appeal to me, but a relationship there grew and grew and grew, and th- that's really what I credit with um, doing the bulk of the heavy lifting around like my uh, entrenched identity and ideas about my, my sexuality or my interest in sex or my ability to um, pursue greater understanding around sexuality. Um, and so that's really the the main thing that I have come to realize is, like, I'm most interested in – the plants can tell us about so many things. I'm most interested in what the plants that I work with tell me about how to be in relationship and how to communicate and how to have more intimacy, and that includes sex and sexual intimacy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Kava Kava. Yeah. And Kava Kava is, you know, one of those herbs that that if people have heard of it, they have often heard of it in a somewhat distorted way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I say about Kava Kava is if you live on an island with a few hundred people, you cannot afford to hold grudges. And so every day <laughs> you must sit down and consume Kava Kava and love your neighbor. 
It's so good. And really, I do. I call it the love your neighbor herb. Um, and it, traditionally, you know, you sit down with everybody in your community and you pass the kava kava bowl around and you, it's ritualized, you know. And the first time I did it, I was on a houseboat and I thought, well, this is having absolutely no effect on me at all until I had to get up and walk a plank to get off the houseboat. And then I knew that I was really affected. It was just because I'd been sitting there with all those other people who were similarly affected that it seemed quite normal. <laughs> so in addition to Kava Kava, I believe um, that you have had some experiences with psilocybin. Oh, I have. <laughs> do you want to talk about that at all? I, I do, sure. What would you like to know? It's such a vast terrain, and I know we don't have a lot of time, so i guide a little bit. <laughs> that Kava Kava really helped you do some heavy lifting. And um, I, as I said, you know, I think of Kava Kava as being, you know, um, let's be open hearted. Let's, you know, let other people have their problems. Um, but psilocybin for me is more like hummingbird woman, a woman who <laughs> sees into the insides of things. The not so much the heavy lifting, but the um, deep unveiling, perhaps we might say. Hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoy the wordplay that you always encourage. Uh, that's fun for me. So uh, I can acknowledge that I view, I experience the universe in layers, and I experience myself as like there's third-dimensional Aaron, there's fourth-dimensional Aaron, there's fifth-dimensional Aaron. And so the heavy lifting is definitely third-dimensional Aaron's um, languaging of the experience and then the kava itself is definitely more saying well well, I didn't move anything heavy I um, kind of massaged open some entanglements and and created more space for those things to sort of slough off naturally in their own time and is more of an unweaving um, from her perspective Uh, yeah And then I like what you said about the hummingbird medicine with psilocybin. And I tend to feel psilocybin, I understand them the similar way that I understand Kali, which is like, you know, people might say, oh, it smells terrible and um, call it drugs and say it grows in shit and all of those things. But if you're able to um, see past that enough, to engage in a really um, intentful way that the actual experience for me, I'm always so amazed at how generous I feel that that medicine is. I'm always like, wow, like I thought you were going to kick my ass tonight. And you were so, you didn't, you you could have dragged me through this and that, but um, (laughs) I guess like, like, I don't know what that says about me, that I'm always expecting things to be, like, super hard. Yeah, super and hard. Right. And <laughs> so, um, I, like, did you know, again, like, I, I didn't ever have mushrooms uh, in a social way or in a party way and uh, came in really slowly and respectfully and just a tiny bit here. Uh, and I, you know, I was like, okay, sure. I'll have this square of mushroom chocolate at this 
gathering and everyone just sat in a circle and went around and shared something they were grateful for. And it was very light and just like, okay, that was sweet. And that what I noticed was that it really enabled me to check in with myself in a really deep, satisfying way where it felt like all of my multiple dimensions could be checked in with in a really short period of time, leaving my body feeling really grounded and strong and intact on the other side in a way that other plant medicines would kind of um, not really have as much regard for the state of how they were going to like affect my body for the next week. And I, I really appreciated that, and so I chose to start to, on the solstices and equinoxes, go out to the woods by myself and just use those portals and psilocybin as a deep check-in and just just see, like, how am I doing with myself? How's Erin doing, really? What do I need to know? How do I course correct? And in those times, that's when all of the... Um, just a more, a truer version of myself really stepped forward in a bigger way where I would get more, I could get more confirmation for things that I believed or thought I wanted and that the mushroom beings uh, counsel proved to be really reliable in navigating the world, being a mother, things around uh, how to share about my work, what my work was even going to be. I just got Speaking of your work, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're coming very close to the end of the show, and I want people to know how to get in touch with you. Oh, thanks. So uh, what we are doing here uh, in our off-grid temple space is inviting... Let me be clear. We have two minutes. How can people get in touch with you? We're (laughs) going to be shut down in two minutes. Awesome. So you can find us on Instagram at Active Culture Family, and we uh, are online at ActiveCultureFamily.com. You can find out about our apprenticeship uh, at MedicineMandala.com. And uh, thank you so much for having us on the show tonight. That is so wonderful. And uh, you have one minute. What do you want to leave in the hearts (laughs) and minds of everyone who's listening? Oh, all right. Uh, we have a online workshop coming up in January called Feminine Penetration, Communication Tools for Lovers and Energy Workers. And this is the amassing of the most practical tools for having more intimacy in life that we have, have been very hard won for us, and we're very excited to share it with anyone who's hearing that call. All right, and they can find out about that at activeculture.com? Culture family. Don't forget the family Act- part. Culturefamily.com, <laughs> active culture family. And that's not just about yogurt. No, but I love that you picked up on that because a lot of people miss that most important part, that it's about the bacteria, that it starts with yeah. gut health. <laughs> yeah. Yaya Erin Rivera, Mary Woman of Active Culture Family. What a delight. I am so sorry that it's a blog talk show and they really do slam the door on us at exactly 9.30. And I have learned not to stick any fingers in that door because they will get slammed. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us tonight to talk about what you're doing, talk about your apprenticeship with me. 
and to share all this wonderful active culture, family, and plant spirit medicine with us, in fact, to help reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, and thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Justine, and everybody else out there who's helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings are everywhere. They're right outside your door. Good night, everybody. Good night. Happy holidays, everyone. Good night. Joyous solstice. Yes, you too. Good night.